0: Judging Book Covers podcast, a bi-weekly book club podcast where we're now helping you go through your to-be-read list. I'm Stephanie Cortez and I'm joined by my co-host, my amazingly wonderful co-host, Megan.
1: <laughs> How are you doing this morning?
0: Good, I'm good. All right, so we are also joined this week by Eliana Garcia and we read A Wrinkle in Time. How are you doing, Eliana?
2: I'm doing quite well. I'm doing doing good. Happy to be here. <laughs> Good. We're glad to have you back. I know. It's exciting to be back. Yes.
0: I know. It seems like it was so long ago, but not that we did um, our two books in the summer. Yeah,
2: exactly.
1: Yeah, the podcast is actually coming up on a year, which feels very short and very long, all at the same time. So, like, I don't remember doing this last summer, but apparently we have <laughs> Yes.
2: And yes, you've been doing Cranking. a bang-up job of it. Yes. Well, I thank you.
1: (laughs) So neither of you read A Wrinkle in Time as a kid, right? Correct. Okay. So my best friend read this shortly before we started for this episode, and she did not care for this book. So if you guys did not like the book, well, okay, it was more of, so I read The Giver at the same time she was reading, reading Wrinkle in Time, which was kind of her childhood book. And both of us were like, it's okay. I can understand why you loved it as a kid. It's not an adult read.
2: I will say, and... yeah, I will say <laughs> if I had to read The Giver as an adult, I could totally see how somebody might not like it. But for me as a kid it like changed my life. Exactly. Like God, I how I read this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no. It's another one. <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna have to What give was it a your
1: what was your childhood book then?
0: Uh, I read a lot of Babysitter's Club. Like for school, I did The Outsiders, you know, Shakespeare, all that. But I read a lot of Babysitter's Club and a lot of Fear Street by R.L. Stein. Ooh. Uh, My favorite was the Cheerleader Evil series. Uh, Perfect. I think I I reread those probably a few years ago. They don't necessarily hold up because I was terrified. I was just completely terrified by those three (laughs) books or four or five, however many they had after the original three um, not so much as an adult, but I, you know, it takes you back to when you were a kid, <laughs> you know.
1: Very much so. Yeah, yeah. And
0: a lot of Goosebumps, too. More Fear Street, but Goosebumps was in there.
1: I was more of a Christopher Pike kid than Arl Stein, mm-hmm. and I have no idea why or, like, what started that. What, what age did you read Christopher Pike? Oh, young. Like, we're talking between the like third and fifth grade. Okay. Because there oh, wow. is his monster book, I think it's actually called Monster, um, is like buried somewhere in that backyard because it scared me so much. Oh my Sorry God. mom. <laughs> Sorry mom. Sorry whoever owns that house now. Sorry if you found this creepy book.
0: <laughs> I want a garden today and I'm digging and all of a sudden there's this <laughs> terrifying book. <laughs> The house is haunted. Everything's
1: terrible. <laughs> it's how I was not Joey. I didn't put it in the freezer. I had to bury it. Yeah. It was a monster. You had
0: to really get rid of it because the freezer, <laughs> someone opens that door, you know. Exactly.
2: That's so shocking to me because like the Christopher Pike books that I read, like, so I had a lot of books surrounding me growing up, but like my sisters um, had their own bookshelves. And so it was kind of like age appropriate for them sort of um so sometimes I would like when they weren't home I would sneak into my sister's um rooms and look at their bookshelves to look at the books that they were reading and Christopher Pike was on their their shelves and they're like five or six years older than me so like I knew I wasn't really supposed to read it for whatever like
1: totally, as a kid
2: totally as a kid I was like oh it's my sister's book I have to wait till I'm older which is super weird like <laughs> I was like a kid who followed the rules whatever so finally I turned 13 or 14 I don't remember quite which and I was like okay I'm just gonna go in there when they're not looking and just take a Christopher bike book and read it and then <laughs> I think I only made it to like 3 and then I was like okay this is too scary I can't do this. <laughs> do you remember which ones you read? Okay so Road to Nowhere I think is one of them Very good choice. Uh, And then I think another one was, I remember there being a party on the beach and there's something about a boardwalk um, and something that happens to them on the boardwalk, but I don't remember any of the other titles. I remember Road to Nowhere because the cover is ingrained in my brain of the girl driving the car (laughs) and the skeleton, skeleton. like, (laughs) putting his hand on her shoulder. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like Aww. that's what I remember. It's like burned <laughs> into my brain. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Cause older R.L. Stein,
1: like past Goosebumps, is supposed to be just as scary. for whatever reason, like I did not go to the R. I read some Goosebumps and stuff, but I did not go down that path. I have no idea, even like I don't know my first one that I read by Christopher. I have no. I just know that like this book terrified me. It was before we moved to Georgia, so before fifth grade. And I know I read it through seventh grade. Okay, I think
0: I read. But I only read one Christopher Pike book. It was um, "Fall Into Darkness." They made the movie about it with uh, Tatiana Ali and Jonathan Brandis. Um,
2: <gasps> really?
1: Oh, I do remember this yeah, one. They, okay, I didn't know they made a movie.
0: Falling, I think it was like a TV movie. <laughs>
1: oh, okay, but still,
0: um, it's like a girl goes falling off of a cliff, but then I think she faked her own death they did it on teen creeps and i remember listening to it and it was kind of coming back to me but i think that was the only christopher pike book maybe that and another one something about a midnight
1: society maybe,
0: maybe that might
1: have been um whoever wrote vampire diaries had mm. a midnight nope there was a midnight society one okay oh man
0: it was mostly rl stein for me
1: <laughs> I feel like I need to buy all these books now in, in my best amount of space mm-hmm. in my apartment <laughs> um I read so much as a kid, like did you guys have accelerated reading? Yes yeah, the accelerated reading program, mm-hmm. so my school had if you hit a hundred points, you got to go to a pizza party. if you hit two hundred points, you got to be principal for the day. I never hit two hundred points. I think I got like one ninety five or something like wow. It was very close. But I was ready, ready to be... This is nerdy moment. <laughs> the first third grader to hit 100 points.
2: Wow. Yes. yes.
1: <laughs> so I'm, like, at a pizza party with all these fifth and sixth graders. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. Like, That's right. Who <laughs> so I thankfully knew from, like, after school okay. programs and stuff. But still, it was, like, I'm aware of how weird this is. <laughs> um, and so, like, I... There's a lot of books from that year that I remember picking up because I was basically just digging through the library for these books. Mm-hmm. It's the year I read um, *The Dark is Rising*, which is the other, like, most influential book on me. Um, I feel like it's also the year I started *Animorphs*. So. *Animorphs*. Oh my God,
2: *Animorphs*. <laughs> <laughs> which is any '90s child staple. I feel like. <laughs> I actually really want to go back to my house in puerto rico and get all of my animorph books because i'm pretty sure i have them all <laughs> i
1: don't i have the first 40 i think somewhere
2: i think it only went up to
1: 54 it was 54 56 56 50 something yeah yes
0: I've only read um, a couple of them and I know I don't have like the cheerleader series from Aralstein. I ended up buying those a few years ago so I could reread nice. them.
1: <laughs> nice. Yeah, there are a couple of boxes of very old books that I need to dig through at my mother's. Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> which probably has my first copy of Wrinkle of Time, which I was yeah. trying to think like, when did I first read this? And I honestly can't remember. Like, I can remember the second and third time I read this. And then this time, but I don't remember the first time.
0: Did you ever have Which, to read it for school or was it something you were reading on
1: your own? It was definitely something I picked up on my own. Um, because there are not a lot of school books that I had to read for school that I actually enjoyed as a child.
0: <laughs> I get that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's get that. a lot that I've gone back and been like, actually, that was a really good book. But I always hated and,
0: having to read like with the class and that you have to read to this chapter by, you know, Wednesday, I was always reading ahead. I was like, I just don't know what's going to happen. Even if I wasn't most of the time, even if I wasn't necessarily really enjoying it, I just, I I didn't like having to stop.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just didn't like being told what to read. Like I always felt like it was something to help kids that didn't read, read. And I was like, well, I read enough on my own. Why do I have to read for school? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm look- That worked over well.
2: <laughs> I'm looking at the old covers of A Wrinkle in Time, and I know this book was in my house.
1: It was mm. definitely
2: oh, good. in my house. I don't know why I didn't pick it up. Like, because I was like eating up fantasy fiction when I was a kid. Like, anything I could get my hands on, I would read. I don't know why. I think it was something about the. Because I'm looking at the cover with the. Basically, it's like a centaur-like creature, but not really. Oh, yeah.
1: What, uh, Mrs. What's-it?
2: Yes. Yeah. And, like, the kids are on her back. And I think there's something about that cover that was just like, I don't know about this one. <laughs> not sure about this one. But um, I was uh, going to try and get the graphic novel to see what how that made that different. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out that it is it was not going to arrive in time for this podcast from Amazon. Oh no. And I try, I actually
1: looked at it last night oh. at the bookstore. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I debated doing the graphic novel as well, but it, all the reviews said it was choppy oh. and in comparison to like the actual book, it, it's apparently good, but it's, I was like, I think you Goodreads. I haven't read this in eight years, according to Goodreads. So I was like, I should probably actually read through it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it is uh, by Madeline, um, I can never pronounce her full name, Madeline Lingland. Uh It was originally released in 1962. She sent it to, I think, 29, definitely over 20 publishers and got rejected repeatedly. Um, because nobody wanted to publish a book with a lead female girl as the um, protagonist on this adventure. So... Um, It went on to have four more books. I've only read the first two, um, mostly because I've heard after three, they kind of decline in quality, but I'll read them at some point.
0: I was actually Um, wondering about that. I saw that it was a part of a series. It's like, oh, I wonder how the rest of them are. But then I was on Wikipedia, and there's a Wikipedia page for everything, so I kind (laughs) of read about certain things that happen with certain characters after this book.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I remember two being weird, but... Go ahead, sorry. Uh, no,
2: I just, I had a a weird moment where I was looking up this, I was looking for this book to kind of, to to buy it, because I don't have it. Um, and then it was like, there were some listings that was listed as like the Time qu- uh, Trilogy, and then there was other ones that were like Quadrology, and then there was another one that was like the Quintet. Get the Time Quintet. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wait, how many books are there?
1: <laughs> there are five in total, I think, originally there were 3 planned and then the last 2 got added on got it um and then there's actually an entire second series that I've not read any of that is a different family that eventually overlaps yes um my book had a map in it
0: oh yeah i saw the map my book had a map at the back of it too the so.
2: austins <clears throat>
1: it's
2: like who were they <laughs> Exactly, yes. My sister told. uh, She got very excited when she found out that I was reading this book. She's like, oh, and you got to read all of them and then we can talk about them because I've been obsessed with this series since I was a kid. And I was like, how did I not know this about you? (laughs) I feel like it either was such
1: a staple in your life or you had not heard of it until this movie came out. Like, this seems to be everybody that I've talked to is like, oh, yeah, I read that as a kid. That's a great book. Or they're like, I... Didn't know this existed until, you know, Oprah Winfrey signed on. Um, which is kind of why we started, uh, why I needed to reread the book, because I wanted to reread it before the movie, um, which comes out March 9th. Um, it is a very great cast. It is directed by Ava DuVernay.
0: Yep, yeah, Ava DuVernay.
1: Thank you. Um, very excited. <laughs> yes, she did Selma which I've seen. I'm trying to think what the other movies she was, but this is supposed to be like the biggest budget she's ever had. Um I think the she's
0: the first black woman to have this big of a budget. She is. Yeah. Yes.
1: Which is fucking amazing. It's just so cool. Um, this book was adapted one other time back in the early 2000 for Disney channel movie. I watched five minutes of it and went, Nope, it's terrible. And <laughs> That's all I remember of it.
0: <laughs> I saw a little picture of it on the Wikipedia page with the, and Gregory Smith was in it, and the little blurb I saw looked slightly familiar. But I know I don't I didn't know the story when I was reading the book, so I must have maybe just seen commercials or something for it and never actually watched the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember it was very heavy, bad CGI.
0: Um, that sounds about right from the picture I
1: saw. <laughs> <laughs> This book is about uh, the Murray family. Mm -hmm. Um, It's Dr. and Dr. Murray. Then they have four kids, Meg, uh, then twins, Sandy and Danny, and then Charles Wallace. Um, Meg is 13 in this book. The twins, I think, are ten, nine or 10. And then uh, Charles Wallace is five, which no matter how many times I read this, in my mind, Charles Wallace is two. I, like, I always make him, like, a toddler, and then I'm like, oh, he's five? Wait a second. This is so much older than I thought.
0: I made him older in my, like, I knew how old he was, but then as he speaks, and he sounds so grown up, I just was like, oh, right, he's ten. No, he's not. No, he's not. Go back. (laughs) He's a lot younger.
1: This might be the first time I actually did not like Charles Wallace. I don't know why. I just found him super annoying this time around. Um, I just... Like, I remember reading this 10 years ago. Um, so my brother would have been around the age of Charles Wallace. And I was like, oh, I have my own little Charles Wallace. And then this time I was like, no, you talk too much, kid. You need to stop. You were five. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so the plot of this book is that uh, Meg is doesn't fit in with um, her family or in school or anything her dad has been missing for i believe two years um they have not heard a peep out of him um she also is not entirely sure what he was working on just that uh he was working with nasa at one point um she her brother makes friends with a um I was about to say a, a vagrant that might be the best way, I guess, to to call her. That or a hobo um, named Mrs. What's It? And she has two friends, Mrs. Witch and Mrs. Who, um, who end up turning out to be space magicians. I don't know exactly <laughs> what you would call them <laughs> based on this book. Um, but they know of her father, know that... Uh, He's in danger and that these three kids are the only ones that can help him. Uh, The third kid is Calvin O'Keefe, who is a popular voyeur school, but has always also felt out of place. Um, And so they travel to many different planets to try to find her dad. They fight the Black Thing, also known as It, which... I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, And end up on, is it Kazamazoo?
0: Cam-
1: I, I feel like in yes. my brain I
0: said it differently every time I read it. Same here.
1: <laughs> Same here. Uh, where they end up having a showdown between, uh, the black thing slash it for a battle for her dad. And then for her brother, Charles Wallace. So, um, so be honest with me.
2: What did you think? <laughs> Uh, Stephanie, if you want to go first. <laughs>
0: okay. Um, I liked it. I, I, will okay. say I was not expecting a lot of the religious stuff that popped up. And there were parts where we can get into this, where I was getting annoyed with Meg, but I was thinking, <laughs> would I have gotten annoyed with her if I had read this as a kid? Because there's certain parts of Harry Potter where I know people who read it as adults are annoyed with him, but I'm just like, no, he has reasons for being this way. <laughs> <one." laughs>
1: He's 15. Of course he's going to be right. angry. He saw some
0: things. Of course he's angry. Um, but overall, I did like it. I I'm wanted to read it before the movie as well. Um, so it's making me, I'm very, even more looking forward to the movie. Um, it was kind of picturing Oprah Winfrey and her role and Mindy
2: Kaling, you know. Because, yes. like
0: of course, I went to the IMDb page to figure out who was playing. Wait, wait,
2: who. wait, wait. Don't tell me. Okay. <laughs> okay. I have my guesses. Okay, okay. okay. But I, I want to know if my guesses are right as I watch okay. the movie. Like, I <laughs> okay. obviously have an idea who Oprah Winfrey is playing. <laughs> but I don't want to know, like, Reese Witherspoon and Mindy Kaling. Yeah. I, I'm, like, still trying to figure out, like, do I want to know, do I not want to know. But I'm guessing at this point, so don't tell me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what did you think, Ileana? Um, so I have never read a book written this way it had a entirely different sense of prose and uh, just, like, made, not assumptions, but just, like, felt the need to not explain things because, of course, you would understand it if you were a human being. And (laughs) um, I'm not sure what the, like, exactly what the landscape was in 1962 because I wasn't there. But, like, this book is so full of like abstract ideas and concepts that it does not necessarily successfully explain but it's okay because it's almost like it allows you to kind of form the own like your own idea of it um and so for i can imagine myself as a kid with the imagination that i have which i kind of still have some of that like i had a crazy imagination if i had read this book i would just like have imagined all sorts of things and have been able to um probably like form the ideas that they were trying to express in a different way like i I probably would have um enjoyed it a lot more than i did now and i enjoyed it a lot um but there was just so much about this book that i was just like wow this is really different like i was not expecting it to start the way it did I did not expect it to end the way it did. And there was just, like, so much about it was how things felt and how things um, kind of, like, were experienced rather than there being, like, a ton of plot and exposition. Like, it was just a really um, interesting, like, experience for me to read this book just because it was, like... If you really look at, like, if you if you make a timeline of what happens, not a lot does. And it all happens <laughs> very quickly. Yes. But the bulk of the book for me was just, like, oh, my God. There's, like, so much going into, like, the sensation and the feeling and the experience of what's happening that it feels so much bigger.
0: Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. I'm actually very curious to see how they're going to translate certain things into the movie you know like the feelings Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah well from what I understand of the movie they are updating it they're trying to stay as true to the story as possible but it is an updated version Um, I think they're going to make Meg a little less helpless just from what I've seen in the commercials alone yeah Um, but uh I don't watch movie previews because i Always feel let down. This was one movie I was like, I, I have to watch. And I have to cry, apparently, every time I see it. <laughs> just it's oh, like the preview was before Black Panther. And the poor guy sitting next to me, like, no idea who he was. He just kinda kept looking at me and I was like, Yes, I am crying over the Wrinkle of Time preview. Just let me be. I'll be fine. You won't hear me all the way through Black Panther. Yeah. I did cry in Black Panther too though. Yeah. So <laughs> Um, but it is, it is definitely kind of a, I would say a definition of a middle grade book where, you know, if you're around the age of 10 or 11, like so much happens in this book, but then you look at it and it's only, it's, it's only 250 pages. Mm -hmm. If that, I think it's like actually less than that. Um, which is great, but... You're right. It's a lot happening in a very short amount of time but also not a lot happening and everything feels very rushed. Like, I thought the ending showdown, in my mind, was so much bigger than the, like, I think three pages it actually is. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, you're right. I I marked a couple pages of things like the discussion of sport. Is
0: that when they yeah, Calvin and And Charles, they both say that they're a sport.
1: Yeah. They uh I'm the third from the top of eleven kids. I'm a sport. At that Charles Wallace grinned, Wildly, so am I. I don't mean like in baseball. Neither do I. I mean like in biology. And I was like, I don't is this an actual term? Is this something I meant to look it up? But it's a change in gene resulting in the appearance in the offspring of a character which is not present in the parents, which is potentially transmittable. To its offsprings. I got a feeling that's probably changed what that word actually is. Because I feel like we've kind of, since the 60s, figured out more about genetics. Yeah. Um, but it was very, like, Charles Wallace and Calvin are special. Meg is backwards.
0: Yeah. <laughs> backwards. Kind that, of yeah. I think at one point Charles Wallace says something like, "She poor Meg, she's not one thing or the other, or something like that." Like, <laughs> yes,
2: <"What?" laughs> that, yeah, like there's there's not a lot of explanation that goes into that. Yeah, no, it's just
1: like Charles Wallace is talking. Of course, everybody should know exactly what this means. Um, and then it's now been eight years since I have read the second book. I I know that they're all three in it, and I think more gets explained, but I honestly couldn't tell you off the top of my head um what an, I know they get really small that's about all I remember Oh So
0: yeah I think that's the one where they have to go inside of someone yep to fix something <laughs> and it made me think of I think there's an episode of Magic School Bus and the Rugrats where yep. they go into a body <laughs> Yep <laughs> so, Yes exactly thinking
1: of that <laughs> <laughs> um
2: So we have, I don't even know, where do you guys want to start? Uh, Let me think. I'm not sure. I mean, like, I'll I'll defer to you guys. I just, like, there's a lot that I'm just like, what the hell? (laughs) And a lot that I'm like, oh my god, this is incredible. How am I ever going to describe this in words? (laughs) So... um...
1: Obviously, as a kid, I was very excited to see a main character with the same name as me, although she's Margaret. My parents had to, like, not, I'm trying to decide if my mom actually showed me my birth certificate or not, but there was a good period, because I read this and Little Women, mm-hmm. and I was like, so my real name is Margaret, and I was like, yeah, no, your name is Megan. <laughs> and I was like, I know that's what you call me, but, like, my real name is Margaret, and she's like, no, it's not, <laughs> This went on for a long time. And, uh, cause, cause both Meg and Megan, little women, are actually Margaret's. Um, and I knew Megan was short for that, and, uh, I I gotta say I'm still a little bummed my real name's not Margaret, but also really glad my real name's not Margaret. (laughs) Um, and I loved, so she is, um, not doing great in school. She's no patience. No. She's angry kind of about everything. Um, she has an attic bedroom, which I loved. Um, I can't figure out exactly where they live. I think it's somewhere in the Northeast, but they talk about hurricanes. Yes. That um, she's worried that a hurricane is going to uh, tear away the roof. Um. And yeah, so she goes downstairs in the beginning and finds her brother in the kitchen, um, kind of making, making cocoa and decides to make sandwiches. And we learned that her brother can kind of read her and her mom. Um, not necessarily like read their minds, but just read them. Um, I guess empathy. Yeah. But stronger. Like, Oh, I was waiting for you. Yes. Um, and while they're sitting there on this dark and stormy night, um, Mrs. Watson appears, um, who is completely decked out in, like, all sorts of clothing, takes her shoes off at the table. Um, she is wonderfully odd.
0: Yes. Millions of scarves. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Yes.
2: Um, and and Charles Wallace had met her because of their dog. Um, How would you pronounce their dog's name? Because I was having trouble with that. It's such an odd name for a dog.
0: Yeah, I think I was saying Fortinbras in my head. Yeah.
2: That's what I was saying in my head, too. I was like, slightly French pronunciation. Yeah. Yes. Fortinbras Has to be named after someone, right? It has to be. It's just a funny name for a dog.
0: (laughs) it's very it formal
2: is. yes oh it's a it's a character
1: in Hamlet oh oh hmm. there are two characters in Hamlet named Fortinbras. Uh, <laughs> interesting do they even talk about liking Shakespeare I know that her dad is more science like physics and her mother's more biology or chemistry yeah um, which doesn't mean that they don't they can't like Shakespeare. It just it's a nice nod, I guess. Um, so we meet Mrs. Watts at first and then we meet Mrs. Who, who can only speak, well no, she primarily speaks in uh, platitudes and quotes yep. Um, which is also when we meet Calvin. Uh, which corrects me my When my friend was reading this, she was like, we meet Calvin and suddenly they're the best of friends. Is this how kids just do? And I was like, I don't remember, but sure.
0: I liked that. His energy. He was just like, I'm just so happy to be here. And this is just the perfect, you know, happenstance. Like I felt like I needed to be here. And now I'm meeting you guys. Everything's wonderful. He was in just (laughs) such a great mood, ready to roll with them. And yeah, I appreciate
1: that. Yes. The third of 11 kids, which just sounds,
0: sounds like a lot. Like, Awful. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, in my mind when I was reading this, I always thought there was one that was kind of mean, one of the three. And I still don't know why I think that. Maybe just because Mrs. Witch is so standoffish. Mm. Mm-hmm. But she's still absolutely amazing. Um, she speaks with a hiss. Um, which was a little hard to read at first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't frequently materialize. That's what I'm looking for. Um, so they're told that it's almost time, but it's not quite time. And we're kind of like Meg going like, oh, we don't know what you're talking about. Um, And so they go home and have dinner, and everybody loves Calvin, and it's fairly clear, like, Calvin's there. And if you look at the back, like, Meg and Calvin eventually get married. Um, What? Oh, (laughs) sorry. Yes. They have lots of kids, too. What? Yeah. Like, a (laughs) lot. Okay, wait, I gotta find my book. Maybe I missed this map. (laughs) Sorry, <laughs> I think it's a lot more obvious in the second book, and maybe that's where I'm coming from. But like, no, it's kind of fate that they're together, mm-hmm. and uh, they're they're gonna fall madly in love. Sorry. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> they have uh, Polly, Charles, Sandy, Denny, Peggy, Johnny, Rosie. Oh my god. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and they show up. Later, I feel like there's a series about the the kids as well. She wrote a ton more books than I, books than I realized. Um, so they end up doing homework together, and the only reason I mentioned this is because I remember I may not remember the first time I read this, but I remember the first time I fell in love with Meg was because she talked about how she does math different than like what teachers. Wanted to do, and I was like, this is me. This is the problem I have in math class. Yeah. They want you to do it one way, and I don't. I can't. This is the way I do it. And um, I'm such a
2: nerd. God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally get that, because I, I was taught with the Saxon math books. Okay. And those books made sense to me. But then I was in school when we turned over to the new math. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> 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 i've been doing it one way for like all the way up to seventh uh sixth or seventh grade and then you switch it on me and you want me to write about how i came to this conclusion like <laughs> really yes
0: i've seen yeah. pictures from friends on facebook is it core i think it's called or something yeah i think about the way they do things now like of their kids homework i'm like I have no idea what this is, why. It seems like you're just making it so much harder for them. (laughs) Like, if the kid gets to the right answer, what's the problem, you know?
1: (laughs) Exactly. My brother called me, and he's like, I get the answer to this, but they want me to do it this way, like, show it this visual way. And I was like, we didn't learn that. Give me, like, an hour to kind of, like, teach myself this, and then I can show it to you. And then afterwards, he's like, I'm just going to – Go in early tomorrow and talk to him. I was like, that's probably a better idea. Yeah. Cause it doesn't make any sense. Gosh. Um. So they literally this all happens within one day. Mm-hmm. They they go to see, um, they have the big store, Miss Watson drops in the next day. They go to on a walk and meet Mrs. Who. And Calvin and go to dinner. And after dinner, they find out it's time. It's time to do something. Not that they have a clue. Well, okay. They're told it's time to save their dad. Um, who is going to be played by Chris Pine. In all his salt and pepper glory, it's going to be more I'm so here for that. <laughs> I am too. I'm like, like right. they're sitting there talking about how beautiful the mom is. And I was like, yeah, she got cast very yes, well. Yes, she did. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they end up tessering, um, tesseract. Tesseract is the actual noun of yeah. what they're doing. I can't think of what the actual verb of it's called. Tessering?
0: They say tesser. Tessering? Tesser, tessering, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and end up on a different planet. And it is kind of described, if you've never read this book, but you've read Harry Potter. It's the same as like apparating almost. Yeah. Yes. Um, which makes me wonder, hey, JK, which book did you read? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they land on this planet to kind of show that there's this big evil in the universe. It's called The Black Thing um, because this is a middle school kid's book, so you can't give too crazy of names. (laughs) Um, And they, they show The Black Thing kind of devouring a planet. Um, which we still don't quite get what that means, but it's essentially a big black shadow kind of taking over the planet. We also get to see Miss What's It in her... It's not her actual form, but it's just a different form. With wings, and I, I thought I marked... But yeah, essentially like a centaur with wings and rainbows, maybe?
2: Yeah, like the wings aren't really wings. They're like made of light, but the light looks like rainbows.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. Wings made of rainbows of light upon water of poetry. Um, so they they climb to the atmosphere to see this black thing devouring. Um, and they show them this way. They find out because it turns out that Earth has a shadow. This black thing has kind of started to try to consume Earth. And that's they need to understand this because they're going to go to a planet that's been entirely consumed, but to also understand that there are people that are fighting against this, and this is where religion comes into play, yeah, <laughs> because guess who's fighting the black thing yeah. <laughs> that's right, Jesus Christ
0: yep. um another philosophers too, an artist, yes, but... I did
1: enjoy that, but yes, the first person' Jesus, yes, very. Like, oh. <laughs>
2: You know, Um, I'm starting to wonder if uh, this is where L. Ron Hubbard stole his idea for Scientology. (laughs) Oh, quite possibly. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, I don't know. There's just something about this that, I don't know. I, I think it was like the whole idea of there like being people who fight this and that they have something in them that like, I don't know. With the thetans and all of that stuff it just there was like a weird moment where I was like wait a minute <laughs> I can't really verbalize it very well which is useless on a podcast but um if I had a little bit more time to like search through the book to find the parts where I was like well this kind of coincides with this I I could write you a comparison paper between this and Scientology yeah <laughs> I kind of want that paper now. Me too. <laughs> I will work on it and get back to you. <laughs> um,
1: outside of Jesus, everybody else mentioned is more creative, which I guess you could claim Jesus is creative too, uh, depending on your thoughts about him. But, you know, they mentioned. Da Vinci, and Michelangelo, and Shakespeare, and Bach, and Pasteur, and Madame Curie, and Einstein, um, you know, Beethoven, Buddha, Gandhi, Euclid, like, these are all people that did something new or different or incredibly creative in their field, um, all of this is while they're talking to the happy medium, um,
2: which I love. <laughs>
1: she's uh she doesn't see the future, but she can see everything going on now um, and sleeps a lot like I love this like I know how they've cast this part in the movie, and that I think is going to be the biggest disappointment for me, although I'm sure it'll still be done well, but just like I really want a like to keep bringing up Harry Potter. The woman, um, the great lady portrait.
2: Yes. Like oh, yeah.
1: her falling onto a couch and like falling asleep oh, is a happy medium. Like I went great. that. <laughs> um, and she doesn't like to look at things that make her sad. Uh, she's, she's a great character. It doesn't really talk about like how they expect these three kids to be anchors of light and goodness they're just kind of like, you can do this too. And, oh yeah, we also learned Mrs. What's it was a star. Yeah. Um, who really gave like up that part. Yeah, I did too. Um, she gave it up to fight the evil um, with a capital E. Uh, so then they're going to Kamazoto, Camazotes uh, I, don't I did like read
0: this. that that means it's a Mayan bat god, <laughs> which I thought was kind of oh, cool, that word. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Um,
0: I should have written down how to pronounce it, but <laughs> and that the word in <laughs> the Mayan language means death bat.
1: Oh wow. Oh, I love that. That's great. The big black thing is a death bat. I am all yeah. for this. <laughs> <laughs> um and of course they're told that these three almost all-powering omnipotent beings can't join them on this planet um, but they are given gifts uh, they're also told not to be separated but Meg is given mrs. Who's glasses Calvin your great gift is your ability to communicate to communicate with all kinds of people so for that I will straighten this gift Meg I give you your faults
0: right that's right she gets her faults and
1: she is not happy She's yeah. like, what am I
0: supposed what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs>
1: Uh, Charles Wallace to you I can only give the resilience of your childhood um, they give Calvin a, a poem no sorry The Tempest um, and and yeah and the glasses I feel like that's that's it to the three of you I give you my command go into town mm-hmm. that is a stupid gift
0: right no other guidance no other hints <laughs>
1: <laughs> no nothing Um, so this is kind of like the halfway point of the book. So most of it kind of takes place on this planet after this point, but it is essentially this entire town where everything is in its place and in proper order. And like all the kids are bouncing a ball at the same time or jumping rope at the same speed. And every day at the exact same time, the newspaper is thrown to the exact same spot on every porch And um, all the men go for work, go to work at the same time and come home. And I was really confused if this was supposed to be like an anti-communism kind of thing. Now that I look back on it. But I've never heard her talk about that. Hmm. Like, I definitely know it's supposed to be a religious allegory. But given the time period, I also wonder if it was kind of a red scare kind of thing. Because you also have the man with the red eyes. Mm. So I wonder. That's, I hadn't
2: actually thought of it that way. Am I reading that completely wrong, though? So, I felt like this reminded me a lot of... So, I read a lot of sci-fi dystopian novels. And, um... So, obviously, this reminded me of the Society in 1984 and of the Society in, um children of oh crap what's it called uh children of the mind i think it is hold on no that's an Orson Scott card book never mind hold on childhood childhood's end i think is the name of the book uh give me one second yes 1953 science fiction novel by the british author arthur c Clarke. this was actually written before this book was written but there's a similar um kind of society that's like everyone has their place and there's like alphas and betas and gammas and epsilons and um i for me like that always whenever i read that in a sci-fi dystopian novel for me it's more like almost like anti-regulatory and a little bit of um not really anarchist but just like really not wanting to like drive home the fact that like Like isn't equal. Like, everything being the same doesn't make everything equal. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be, like, there seems to be a, throughout the ages, a common, that's a common mistake that is made where it's like, if everybody's given the same thing, you will have the same result, which is not true. Right. Um, And that you would have to make, you would have to eliminate what makes people people in order to make that happen. And I feel like that is more of a, I guess I don't see it like as a communist thing, but I think it's more like trying to basically smooth out all the rough edges of humanity, but in the worst way possible. Like, this is like their solution for um, making the world better is basically taking the human nature out of humans because human nature is, is what makes us so awful. Um, Great. And so We all have our faults Exactly And so I, that's why I felt like when She said to Meg Meg I give you Your faults And I was like that's really significant to me Because I always felt like That's all I had um, Yes I was smart But I wasn't smart enough And I wasn't Like I didn't fit in And like like Similar to how you felt about connecting with Meg Like I also felt like I never fit in, and all I had were my faults, and that, that's all anybody ever saw, but, like, I've learned to kind of, like, value them, because if I if i didn't have them, then I would just be, like, a very bland person, and I not <laughs> Blandness is the enemy! <laughs> I was about to say, you're the absolute opposite of bland, and it is wonderful. So, I... I that's, like, when I saw that, when I saw the description... Of what was going on on that planet, and I was just like, it's just like, they wanted to just, like, that, they're not happy, they're not sad, they're not sick, they're not dying, but they're also, like, not living. They're existing in someone else's idea of perfect. Exactly. And it's really frustrating to watch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're like Cybermen, almost. Yes! Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs>
0: it kind of reminded me of... Did you guys watch Charmed? Yes. Oh, yes. So when the avatars come and the sisters yes. join with them. And basically, I think they just take away everyone that caused conflict. Yes. Yeah. Um, So that everyone, it basically just, yeah, taking out anyone, just human nature, anyone who could disagree. Um, So that things would be their definition of perfect and... Yeah, that's why when I was reading that, I was like, this reminds me of something. What does it remind me of? It was those episodes of Charmed with the avatars and their solution to um, giving them a peaceful life or the world, really, a peaceful life.
1: That is a good example, Um, because I think it's also similar here. Like if anybody gets sick or causes problems, like they'll try to shock them back into place. But then they Mm -hmm. kind of just take care of them because they don't believe in murder. So what else do you call it? Yeah. Um, utopians never work <laughs> so we find out that this town is um, the capital where the central central intelligence is located and that is why it makes its home here um, and we are reading this post the, the uh, it movie coming out which is a very different read from when I read this as a kid but it also explains like why I was reading it going like isn't it just a giant brain yeah why isn't it just a giant brain in this book where am I getting this from (laughs) from this book apparently um but I had fun thinking of it as a giant clown as I read it this time (laughs) And just like how the two are so different but also kinda I mean, they're both supposed to be evil. So um I don't know. It just made me laugh the whole time reading this, being like, Oh, it's Pennywise, okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they make it into town uh or to the the center, um and then they have the man with the red eyes who um, feeds them the first time they've probably been fed in a long time um, but it is a, a turkey dinner that it tastes like sand um, they are trying to essentially take control of their minds as uh, the three kids try to fight it um, and Charles Wallace uh, who ha- if he has any of the seven deadly sins it's definitely pride yes um decides that he can take this in and will be able to spit it back out or get out of it easier um like he is such a cocky kid in this book i did not realize how obnoxiously copy, cocky he is um until i read it this time around when i so
2: when like, i read it um cocky definitely comes to mind but it it seems to me like like he finally understood something about himself. Like he understood himself completely. And he has that surety and that kind of like that knowledge of exactly who he is. And um, he can't explain it, but he just understands himself really well. And so when other people don't understand that he knows this about himself, he just gets like really frustrated and really like, okay, I'm really not going to bother with you because I know who I am and I know what I am and I know what I'm capable of. And so, like, when it, it it definitely came off as cockiness and pride, but at the same time when I was like, I get that. Like, I get knowing something and everybody else assuming that, like, you don't, you aren't capable. Like, I get that. That's really frustrating, especially when you're five and you're just like, This is the world I'm going into? This is... Now that I'm, like, I can talk and speak and understand the world, this is the world that I have to fucking enter? Like, this is bullshit. But
1: does he understand the world? I mean, no matter how intelligent you are at five, do you have the emotional maturity to understand the world? I mean, it's just like a teenager being like, I understand the world. That's how I I kind of felt like, yeah, no, he's really intelligent and he understands things a hell of a lot more, but if he understood everything at five, what's the point of continuing on? That's true. He's, you know, if that's when he's fully matured. So yeah, I, I don't mean it like in a, I loved Charles Wallace was my second favorite character. Every other time I've read this, Mm -hmm. this time around, for whatever reason, I was just like, no, I'm done with you. Like you're exhausting me this time. Yeah. Um, And I guess it is because I read it more like, an angry teenager who thinks they know everything. Yeah, because they've been told their entire life how brilliant they are. Yeah, all five years of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. He did.
0: Um, I also thought one he felt confident enough or prideful enough um, that he could <laughs> go in and get back out, basically, or let the the guy, the man with the red eyes, in and let and then spin him back out um but he was all he did also want to try to find out who he was to find out more so i think he was trying to help get more information but at the same time i was like you guys aren't supposed to split up and if you're mentally not here you're split up
1: yeah oh that's a good point that's a good point that's a good point yeah yes they're definitely not supposed to split up which i think Meg's the only one that doesn't try to split up. Never
2: split up yeah. the party! Right. <laughs> yes. Until she goes after her to. dad
1: and then she does split up. Right.
0: Well, at but... that point, you could argue Charles Wallace had split them up because he this wasn't is true. there anymore. <laughs> this um, is true. But you're right. Calvin wanted to go in first to case the joint and then report back. Right. And then, the Yeah. Yeah, you're right. She is the only one who is really trying to stick with that. Let's stick together, like they told us to, and also strengthen <laughs> numbers, and we don't know what we're doing. Exactly.
1: <laughs> she spends the first seventy-five percent of this book, like as an adult, she sounds whiny. As a child reading this, I understood like, like you said earlier with Harry Potter, like I understood exactly how mm-hmm. she felt. Um She's also really passive, like she doesn't try to control the situation at all. Cause she doesn't feel like she can or that she should. Yeah. Um, and that in her mind, they're going to find her dad and he is literally going to fix everything. Yeah. Despite the fact that like he's apparently captured on this planet. Right. So like,
0: right. They need the, <laughs> the, the three, the Mrs. W's it came to you to help him. Exactly.
1: Eh. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but I also, I do remember, you know, being a kid and you think that your parents can always fix everything or your parents know everything. Yeah, or, You know, exactly. they can always make everything better. And then there I think every kid does get to a point, some sooner or some later than others, where they realize that your parents are humans too. They make mistakes. They can't fix everything. They don't know everything. Um, Meg just learned it in a very difficult situation, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So...
1: I remember the first time my mother looked at me and was like, I don't know how to answer. It was like a math or not math. It was a homework question. She's like, I have no idea what the answer is. And I was like, but you're my mother. You're supposed to know everything. And
0: I think I was in eighth grade doing (laughs) pre-algebra. My mom was like, call the big Y homework helpline because I don't
1: know. (laughs) (laughs) And looking back all the time, she was like, why don't you look this up? I always thought it was like, I know the answer. And now I'm like, how many times did you just not know the answer? (laughs) Which is not the same as, like, hey, our life's in danger. Um, (laughs) You know all the answers, right? (laughs) (laughs) So much lower stakes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, Charles Wallace, um, they do shake him up some. Uh, Calvin tries to talk to him and is quoting The Tempest, which I still haven't read to this day. Um,
0: either. I don't think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's a lot of literary allegories and stuff that I'm just like, oh, that's great. I'm sure I could understand it. I'm sure I would have researched it if I was trying to write a paper. All I did was like, no, I've read enough Shakespeare in my life. I'm good. I don't need to read The
2: Tempest. Yeah.
1: I've like seen
2: read. <laughs> I've seen adaptations of The Tempest, but I've like never actually read it. Yeah. Um, I actually
1: in college took renaissance dramas excluding shakespeare because i was so curious as to what else was being written mm. during that time so i actually know more non-shakespeare of that time than actually really cool. shakespeare yeah it was they were a very raunchy group oh. they were very very <laughs> like romeo and juliet came out and this is such a segue um where it was talking about forbidden love and someone looked at that and went oh that's so sweet I'm going to so they wrote a parody of Romeo and Juliet where it's brother and sister. And um I'm trying to it'll hit me at some point what it's called. Um but we're reading this and it is like a thousand times and I'm just like, This is in the what fourteen hundreds, fifteen hundreds, like <laughs> holy shit, and we think our generation no, no, no. We just have a way of connecting all over the world. That's all. <laughs> Um, so they end up finding her dad, um, and, and saving him, I guess, technically they got him out of whatever cell he was in, um, only to go see it, who is in fact a giant brain. Um, with a heartbeat to kind of give that like underlying rhythm Um, Which made me think of, apparently I'm all about Doctor Who. I think it's because the woman, uh, her name escapes me, that's playing the mom, is Martha's sister in that season of Doctor Who. Yes, she is. So um, all I kept thinking about was uh, the master brainwashing with that noise. Yes. And I was like, oh, that's exactly what this brain is doing. Um, I also laughed at the saddest versus saddest. Yeah.
2: Oh, people pronounce that wrong all the time yeah. <laughs> it's like do they it's like really <laughs>
1: um, so they try to combat it taking over their mind several times by saying childhood nursery rhymes um, the not pledge of allegiance uh, declaration of independence Um, The Gettysburg Address was in there, too. Thank you. And uh, then she starts saying all the elements, periodic elements, and realizing that they're about to lose. uh, Her dad tessers them away from the the planet, leaving um, Charles Wallace behind. Um, And that is where we end up on... The planet of the blind beast because I can't remember what their actual planet's called. Because <laughs> there's I like five that. different planets.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna say it right. Ichchel. It, it's I X C H E L. Ixchel, Ichchel. But, but sounds that's right to me. The Mayan goddess, Jaguar goddess of midwifery and medicine. Oh, that's that wonderful! Makes so much
1: sense. Yeah. How perfect. Man, I wonder how many pages... I should have written a paper about this way back in the day. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're they're greeted by blind beasts, and they're afraid. And basically the beasts are like, are you afraid of us? What would you do if we showed up on your planet? And Calvin's like, honestly, we'd shoot first, ask questions later.
0: I'm like, that's not very nice. I guess we should shoot you. And he's like, I'd rather you did it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and they go through the whole process of like trying to explain things like light and sun and seeing to these beasts who are like, sure, we have a sun. It does this. It provides warmth. Like, of course we know what things are like. You don't have to. You're so limited by the fact that you can see. Yeah. Um, And apparently they can also read minds because uh, one of them takes Meg. uh, She is injured after um, her dad gets her to this planet because they had to go through the black thing. And one of the beasts takes care of her and, like, they're basically trying to give her a name and she goes through and says, like, mother's a special one name, a father you have here. Not just a friend, not teacher, nor brother, nor sister. What What is acquaintance? What a funny, hard word. Aunt? Maybe. Yes. Perhaps that will do. And you think of such odd words about me. Thing and monster. Monster, what a horrible sounding word. What what a horrible sort of word. I really do not think I am a monster. Beast, that will do. Ant Beast. And I was like, oh, I guess they can read minds. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had honestly forgotten about Ant Beast. Ant Beast. Um, For whatever reason, like... (laughs) This book stops at, like, page 200 for me, and I'm like, no, there's no more past that. <laughs> um, but I was, yeah, she's wonderful.
2: Yeah. She's. I'm very excited to see how they uh, end up bringing that across the screen. Mm-hmm. Same. I really hope they do. Because, like, everybody freaks out when there's tentacles involved, and it's like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like nobody minds when it's a snake. Well, okay, some people mind. But, like, people with pet snakes, (laughs) and they let them, like, wrap themselves around them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, that seems very comforting to me. Like, it's like a hug a thousand times over.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is one way of thinking of (laughs) it, sure. So, Meg is furious that her dad left Charles Wallace, and also coming to grips with the fact that, like, her dad can't fix everything.
0: This is um, where I was very frustrated with Meg. <laughs> like,
1: same she, here.
0: I will she says, um, I think it's when she's still recovering before the creatures come. She's like the black thing. Why did you let it almost get me? Like he didn't try to almost let it get you. <laughs> <laughs> like He saved you and Calvin. He made a hard decision to leave his, his youngest child behind yeah. to save you and Calvin and himself. Um, but she's just, She's very angry and coming to grips with it. But, you know, when you're coming to grips with stuff, you're, you know, just for her, it's just coming out as anger and frustration with her father and blaming him for leaving Charles Wallace behind and letting the black thing almost get her. I think at one point Aunt Beast kind of reprimands her, sort of. Oh, yeah. Um, after she's recovered and everything. I can't remember exactly what she says, but she says something t- like accusing her dad and Aunt Beast is like, child, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> This is, I was very, getting very frustrated with
2: her here. <laughs> it did also seem like whatever she went through, when they went through the black thing, um, like, not only affected her body, but, it, like, they said that, like, we know not what effects are still lingering on the spirit. And mm-hmm. I felt like that was part of why she was being, like, to us she was being really frustrating, but, like, I feel like the black thing, or the it, still had a grip on her heart, and was making her, like, more likely to say these horrible things to her father and be more frustrated and be more angry. And, like, there was a different tone to her anger in those moments. Because then there's a like, then later on, like, a couple paragraphs later, like, I'm not sure exactly what happens, but she kind of feels it, like, loosen on her heart. And she's, like, more willing to forgive him and then she understands the situation much more clearly because she's not muddled by this anger and and distress Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah it definitely has an effect on her and and uh she's also you know an angry teenager that too yeah
0: with two things combined (laughs) not great for poor dad who has just been a captive for how who knows how long it felt to him
1: (laughs) yeah can you imagine like he's been sitting in this cell where he can't see anything suddenly his daughter's there and then his kid that was a baby when he left and and then he has to leave the baby and now his daughter's pissed. like poor guy
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and this is where I was thinking if I had read this when I was a teenager well, I may have
1: oh totally team the dad yeah. is so at wrong. He is like, so How bald.
0: could you leave him or at least, you know, be more understanding of where she was coming from? Like Harry with when he's really upset in 5 in order of the Phoenix. Like, I think that was the one where my husband was like, "God, Harry's being such a dick." I'm like, "He has reason."
2: <laughs> he does. Dumbledore
0: come back and Dumbledore's not talking to him or telling him anything. <laughs> but if I read just that book, I'd be like,
1: "Look at the kids in Florida right now. This is Harry Potter 5." Yes. Like Watch it actually play out, everybody. Yep. <laughs> Not to get political, sorry. <laughs> she also yells at Calvin, because I think oh, Calvin yes, actually yes. is the one that said, like, get us out of here. He did. Yeah. Um, he's very, like, middle of the road. He never seems to get angry, but he also, well, I guess he does get very excited and happy. But uh, he is much older feeling than he actually is. He's only supposed to be 14. Though I guess he's also, I think, a junior in high school. Yeah, that was
2: really yeah. weird for me. The way that they set up the... Because supposedly she's in high school, too. Yes. Right. So it's just um, really strange. She's
0: maybe a freshman?
2: Yeah, she's... Yes, I
1: think so. I don't. I honestly don't know. I. It also, like... I know in some parts of the country, junior high... Eighth grade is junior high. But I also know that parts of the country, like, ninth and tenth grade is junior high. Yeah. So um who knows my sisters uh went to it was like I was gonna do elementary school junior high high school because mine yeah because mine was elementary went through sixth grade junior high was seventh eighth ninth and then high school was 10th 11th 12th and then I have sisters that did elementary school middle school junior high and high school wow and you know because it's just like the different ways it breaks down so like Again, not entirely sure what part of the country they're in. Um, So maybe wherever she was writing this, it made more sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she's actually British, but I know she lived in the U.S. for a long time. Um, I think most of her kids were raised here. I could be very wrong about that.
0: I think she lived in Connecticut for... Was she writing this when she was in Connecticut, maybe? Maybe. I think she was in Connecticut.
2: Yeah, because they did say at the beginning that the house that they're living in at the beginning of the book was used to be the house that they would come in for the summer. That they would go to that house in the summer. And I can't imagine like going to Florida in the summer is a better plan. True.
1: <laughs> but she did live, you're right, up in the northeast
2: uh, in Connecticut. so
0: Goshen, Connecticut, which I have no idea where that is. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, yes.
2: No. So that is... There's a lot of cows and farms there, and we, um, I ha- had an opportunity to drive through it when I went to go stay in a cabin in upstate New York, and it is gorgeous up really? there. It is absolutely gorgeous, and we actually stopped at a farm to buy maple syrup that was being made oh, wow. at nice. that moment. Like... That's awesome. It involves, like, these huge vats of the sap being boiled, and then like the you see the steam rising up, and they have like these huge vents in the in the farmhouse, and then like it then like collects, and it's just it was it was awesome, and this was in Go- That's really cool. this was in Goshen, Connecticut. It it's it's like definitely feels worlds apart from like New Haven and Hartford, mm. like totally different part of Connecticut. So
1: is it more West Connecticut or, like, South Connecticut?
2: Uh, it's more West Connecticut, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Um, it's pretty close to the state line, like, the Connecticut-New York state line. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah. It's, um... Actually, I am a little wrong. It's up near Torrington. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and it is... Give me a second... Yes, it is near the state line of um, Connecticut and New York, but it's not Salisbury and it's not North Canaan, which is like Northwest Connecticut. Like that's like the Northwest corner. It's just short of that. Definitely a different part, more rural part of Connecticut. Like it's, it steps away from like Mount Mohawk and there's a bunch of parks or there's a bunch of natural parks around it. So it's like really gorgeous farmland, rural area. So basically, we're all going to go move into
1: her uh, where she lives.
2: <laughs> yep, pretty much. If her house is for sale, I'll take it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they're trying to come up with a plan, like a game plan, to get Charles Wallace back. And basically explaining Calvin and Meg are like, we can't do this without the three misses. And yet, the beasts are like, we don't know what you're trying to, you know, like, who are you trying to describe? Um, and as they're, like, trying to describe it, they're calling them guardian angels, messengers of God. Which, are they? I don't know. I like galactic witches, but,
2: yeah. No, I, galactic, yeah. Space wizards, galactic witches, definitely. But I think it was also, like, interesting to see, like, them struggle to explain it to the beasts. Yeah. And the beasts kind of be like, okay, wait, you said there, I almost got it. And it was, like, interesting to see like the concepts of what they were saying how they could be like visualized Universal? not like yeah, oh, not, yeah not like for the beast like what would that seem like for the beast like how would because they all they know is sensation and scent and touch right and like and they're trying to describe irony. how they look yeah mm-hmm. which does nothing so it was inter- it was an interesting exercise this was also to kind
0: part of part where Calvin got uh Calvin got a little bit upset with Meg because she kind of seemed to be I can't remember what she said to them but she said something like why aren't you trying to tell them who the misses are and um, oh, yeah. call them he's like what do you think we've been doing this entire time that you've been healing we've just been sitting here eating we've been trying to okay you try to describe them and then she finds that she also is having a hard time describing it so describing them so that they will understand
1: yeah the, and it's really funny because uh, Aunt Beast is like, they don't talk to other aliens. They're having a little bit of trouble, like, communicating across planets. And <laughs> and another one's like, God, isn't that lonely? Yes, there's a lonely <laughs> planet there. <laughs> we really are. We're so lonely. Um, and it's... This leads to, whatever reason, calling the missus. I don't know if they were actually around the whole time, but... Um, and if if they were like, okay, we finally have to step in or if you say their name so many times, they finally appear. Yeah.
0: Or if they found them since, um, that's true. Dad tessered them away.
1: Yeah. Um, so they all sit down trying to, again, figure out a game plan, even though the misses are like, no, we know what we have to do, but we can't exactly tell you because it needs to be your decision. Um, and of course, the only person who can save Charles Wallace is in fact Meg. Um, and th- this is because of their actual connection. Like she says, it's not—it's literally not anything specific about Meg, other than the fact that like they're they're family and connected. Because they, they even say like, if Calvin had known him longer, like maybe he could do it. But it is solely the fact that like this is someone familiar. To Charles Wallace, um, which almost feels a little insulting to Meg, like she's told this whole book that she's backwards and has all of her faults and everything. And then it's like, you get to save the day, but not because you're some Mary Sue, super awesome galactic star, which I guess is kind of nice because that is kind of how young adult books are nowadays. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, they uh, they give her three more gifts. Um, Mrs. it gives her her love. Um,
2: Mrs. Who gives her some poetry. About, yeah, something about God. The weakness of God is yes. beyond the strength of men and the something, something, uh, the mistakes... Of God are beyond the mistakes of men Mm -hmm. and so like it's, it's something I think like what she took away from it was that um she just needs to accept who she is and not just her uh limitations but also her strengths yeah I agree um I was trying to find the actual poem but I guess it's not in any kind of uh it's kind of, it out. in mine, it's indented off to the side. That's how I found it. Hold on. Give me one second.
0: Oh, I have it. Mine's in, in italics. Okay. Um, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For, whoops, lost my spot. <laughs> For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen um, and things which are not to bring to bring to not things that are. And then she says, may the right prevail.
1: Yeah, I don't think there is much more to read into that other than like, what Meg actually reads into it, yeah. Um, so Mrs. Witch takes her alone mm-hmm. and gives her her final gift, and that is a, that she has something that it does not, but she can't tell her what it is. It's something she needs to realize for herself. Now, as a kid, I don't think I figured out like beforehand like what it was, but I'm guessing it's quite obvious as an adult. Like, what does Meg have that? It doesn't. Yeah. Um, and honestly, this could have just been simply the fact that she has emotion. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't. But, of course, like every great story, we have love and nobody else does. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Harry Potter again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Harry uh, something... Potter
0: having to choose to do it on his own, too, without being told. Yep. Oh, again.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. She goes straight to it and I really, really hope that they give more to this ending in the movie. Because it is a very, very quick ending. Yes. Um, It is literally like she's dropped off, she walks, she walks in and is like, what do I have that it doesn't? Oh, I love you, Charles. And then it's kind of it. She breaks him out of a spell by, like, repeating that she loves him in her head and her heart out loud. Um, And it doesn't really talk about how she got out. Other than maybe the darkness,
2: like, dissipates
1: enough for Mrs. What's it to get her out? Yeah.
2: It did seem to me like the way that it was written, the way that um, the author wrote it that evil was a very rational kind of evil. It was very logical and would try to, like, reason his way into your mind and that love isn't reasonable. Like, love is does not have reason. And so her, dec- like, he had no way to argue. Like... That, that makes sense. When, when he tried to tell her that Mrs. What's It hated her, like... She had the security of knowing that she did, and then that led her to know that she had the security of knowing that she loved Charles Wallace, no matter what, and that that's why she was doing everything, was because of love. And that that was, like, something that it couldn't, like, like, needle or wheedle its way past because it was so much a part of her that it couldn't be explained away or it couldn't be reasoned away. Right. Or at least that's how I that's how I read it. No,
1: it, you're I think that's a very solid reading. It's it's just that like how the hell do they get off this world? Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sure that there will be artistic liberties in the movie of like how they get off this world. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it is instantly like he breaks and goes running to her and is crying and it says a roll of darkness and icy cold blast an angry resentful howl that seemed to tear through her darkness again through the darkness to save her came a sense of Mrs. Watson's presence so that she knew it could not be it who now held her in her clutches and then the feeling and then the feel of earth beneath her. So it was like, okay, did it break enough so that they could reach in and get her out? yeah. Could they always reach in and get her out? No. So that's my question. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're instantly dropped back minutes after they left with their father, and I sobbed for the next page and a half. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's going to just look so great on the screen. It really is. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is, and then mine has an, an interview with the author and she seems to be somewhat of a uh,
2: very few
0: words. Mm-hmm. I think I have the same, I have the same <laughs> book that you
1: do. Yep.
2: I think I have the same book too. <laughs> like, what do you value most
1: in your friends? Love. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I could just see the person asking these questions to be like, okay, what's the best <laughs> like... advice <to> you? <laughs> Go ahead.
0: I asked her which do you like better cats or dogs she said, I like both of them I once had a wonderful dog named Touche she was a silver medium sized poodle and quite beautiful I wasn't allowed to take her on the subway and I couldn't afford to get a taxi so I put her around my neck like a stole and she pretended she was a stole she was an actor <laughs> it's
1: like okay I like that <laughs> that is amazing Um. so yes this When you visit things from childhood, I think we're all terrified that, you know, is it better in our memories than not? And I still love this book. It's still my absolute favorite. Although every single person that's like, I haven't read this. Should I read this? I'm like, as a 30-year-old person, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like a friend of mine hasn't read it, but has an eight-year-old daughter. So I was like, yeah, you should definitely read this with her. hmm like experience yeah. it through her and it'll be much better. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, um, it's wondered, final. Oh, go oh,
0: ahead. Just like I wondered going back to like the babysitters. I know the goosebumps books. I feel like cuz I always <laughs> thought those were silly, you know, when I was reading them at the time, I would just probably I don't know. <laughs> reading them as an adult now, but the babysitters club,
1: what I would think of those now. <laughs> I uh there's someone on Goodreads that I follow who has run most of the Babysitter's Club. And uh, I I don't know if you realize, like the first hundred books take place over like a year, but it's not a year. So it's like, I think the first book's in seventh grade mm-hmm. and they're finally going to eighth grade by the hundredth book or something. Really? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> like <laughs> this, this person basically read through and wrote reviews on them and stuff, but then like also set up a timeline and it was like, By the hundredth book, they should be either going into college (laughs) or something. But it's like, nope, we're just now finishing seventh grade. I think maybe Uh, it's ninth. Maybe they're going into ninth grade, but still, like years and years and years mm -hmm. and years and years pass. (laughs) So um, I am curious how those hold up because God, I love the Babysitters Club too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Any final thoughts on? A
2: wrinkle in time or any other childhood book (laughs) (laughs) um like i said this is totally different from any other book i've ever read and i really enjoyed it for that um it reminded me a lot of the feeling not nearly as powerful but the feeling that i got when i read um his dark materials Mm -hmm. uh, golden compass subtle knife amber spyglass Um, in so much that like, I was allowed to take the very sparse descriptions and just like build on them and like the abstract concepts kind of just like expanded in my mind as I was reading it. And it was, it was just an interesting experience to not have everything spelled out for you. And you just had to kind of take a leap of faith. And there was a suspension of disbelief that needed to happen right from the get-go. Of, <laughs> like, you had to inhabit the world of this book to really kind of follow it. For me, anyways. And yeah. and that really reminded me of how His Dark Materials was for me. Like, I read His Dark Materials and I felt like, why isn't this a book everybody reads? Like, this is... <laughs> so important, like, what it's saying about the world is so important. So, like, apparently that means that I completely um, agree with Philip Pullman and all his philosophies of life. That is an interesting take to have. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so, not the whole part about... (laughs) Speaking specifically to his Dark Materials, I'm not saying... Totally teasing. I know, but I just want to say this for everybody out there. I am not advocating murdering God. That is not what I'm saying. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, this, this is definitely a book I wish I had read when I was younger because it would have totally, like, it totally up my alley. Like, I just love how much it's about communication and, like, opening up and being open able to talk like not just talk to people but just communicate with people and how lack of that how it leaves you um with so much of a lesser experience of the world and like connection is important and love is important and I'm getting sappy so I'll stop (laughs) (laughs) I will
0: agree I wish I had read this um as a child I would have loved this especially with just like Different worlds that work differently from us, particularly, I'm going to say it wrong, Ixchel, um, when they're healing Meg and that they they don't understand light and, you know, trying to figure out different ways to communicate, just making you think of different ways to understand the world, different ways to relate to it, um, other than just going off of what we always go off of, what we can see, you know, just trying to, to, yeah, just the feelings. I really, I'm very excited for the movie. Yes. Um very excited to see mm-hmm. how they convey the feelings, uh, particularly when she's getting healed. I really, really enjoyed that description, or actually yes, really even yeah. really, because um, when they first land on the planet, she can't talk. She's slowly coming back into her body, um, just trying to convey her feelings as the pain starts and then also, you know, when they're healing her and how safe she actually feels with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I really hope they don't remove that.
2: Yeah, that's um, really important. Yeah. Are are you guys going to be doing a bonus episode on the movie? We should. Uh, we should. <laughs> <laughs> I have tickets for the 7 o'clock showing on March
1: 8th. That's, oh, nice. Like, I'm... I guess this is, like, how people... When the the Star Wars 7 came out, like, I know everybody was buying tickets early, and I was just like, I'll see it when I see it. Yeah. As we're this, where our... Uh, I was up early, as if this was going to sell out super <laughs> early, buying tickets. Um, I like I I. That's the only way that I can think of to explain like how excited I am for this, because um, the only other like my other big childhood favorite got adapted about ten years ago. It was the worst adaptation ever. Like what was it? It was it. The movie was called The Seeker. The oh book yes, I did see that. Darker, The Dark is Rising. Yes, it is so bad.
2: The Christopher wow. Eccleston is in that as the I, writer.
1: Sure, but the 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 rest of it is so bad. <laughs> and it was such a letdown because that was the first book like I found in the library and was like, I'm keeping this. This is such a hidden like gem. Nobody else. This is my world now. <laughs> <laughs> and. uh yeah, that it was so bad. I mean, that's so. how I
2: felt about his dark materials like. Yeah, exactly. And when I saw the golden compass, I was like, this could have been amazing. <laughs> 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 why? <laughs> but why though?
1: <laughs> that might be me next week. Oh god. <laughs> no, god. Um, so yeah, I'm glad I still love this book. And uh I'm I am very, very optimistic about the movie. I think it is so well cast. Um, I love the director, the the producer, is it the producer, or the writer um, is from Frozen, so it's it's going to have the whimsical side. Um, I just hope they aren't afraid to be dark. Yeah, Do and we, to show this world is dark.
2: So, I'm gonna ask Stephanie because she looked at the IMDb. <laughs> I know I said before that like not to tell me, but I do want to know one if you know it. Um okay. do you happen to know who's playing The Man with the Red Eyes?
0: I don't. I was mostly concerned with the misses okay. uh, which was yeah, I was all looking right. for them. I can look if you want
2: me to. Uh I do. I do want you okay. to look. I am very, very... So have you haven't seen
1: this preview at all?
2: Um I've seen the preview but like I saw like the teaser. I haven't seen the full trailer. Oh, gotcha. I feel See, I do this thing where I'll see the
0: trailer when it comes out and then I don't watch it because I don't watch a lot of live TV, mm-hmm. which is where I would usually see stuff. Right. So I usually see it maybe once or twice and then if I get it before another movie. Because um, like going into Black Panther, you know, I'd seen the trailers, but I realized right. that I didn't remember a lot from yes. the trailers, which yes. is kind of good, you know, because some trailers give too much away. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. Is it Michael Peña? It says he's playing red, which I would assume is the man with the red eyes.
2: Uh, I believe ah, so. Michael Peña? Yeah. Pena? yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm excited now. <laughs> I mean, I was excited before, but, like, Michael Peña is such inspired casting.
1: <laughs> uh, I also love, like, clearly in this book it is a white family and calvin is white um but the movie has cast or it's it's a mixed family it's supposed to be a biracial daughter and i love it like i refuse to even go and see if anybody's angry about this i don't care the girl is perfect yes
2: yes like her
1: presence everything about her i'm like this is the meg i've pictured for the past 20 years like without a doubt.
2: Like, and And... I feel like that it really didn't matter. Like, I just was
1: curious reading it to see if there was any clues as to how she was supposed to look. And it is very clear. Like everybody's supposed to be white. Yeah. But, um, I love, I love this cast so much. Mindy Kaling going to be great. Oprah's going to Oprah. We all know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh, it seems like everybody had a blast doing this. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So. I I have to find out who the costume designer is. Because that's, like, really all I remember from the trailer are the fantastic costumes. And I was yes. like, oh, yes. I need to know who did this. <laughs> uh,
1: let's see if we can find
2: out. Because um, I'm pretty sure, like, so one of my favorite costume designers um, actually passed away. The last movie she worked on was. Um, oh, no. Uh, it was the Cinderella movie that Tarsem made with um, Julia Roberts and um, oh my gosh, I forget her name, the actress. But like everything was really colorful and it, it was like a one-word name. Um,
1: this one was done by Paco Delgado. Oh, okay, done, I think... Uh, he did... The Danish girl, Leibniz. <gasps> Danish girl was great. Um, those are the only two I really know.
2: Uh, and Oxford Murders. Okay. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently he also has a, an interview in a um, Latino magazine, a Latino website, about how he dreamed up the costumes in A Wrinkle in Time, which I will be reading after we finish. That is Amazing. Um, yeah. I will be reading after we finish up this podcast because I just found it. (laughs) I just looked him up and I was like, yes, I know this guy. He's great. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: We did not do a book drink last episode.
0: We did not.
1: (laughs) I Uh, I wasn't sure if you were going to continue the tradition. (laughs) No, we definitely should. Uh, Which I think I added it to the show notes. You did. Yes. I had it Um, written down. (laughs) Just forgot. (laughs) It was just a a different format. Um, So I guess I have to pick a drink. Oh God, why do I make people do this? (laughs) Pressure's on. (laughs) Um, I don't know why this book made me think of like a good cup of tea um, or hot cocoa, I guess, because of the whole stormy nights. And I feel like I read this at least one time when it was just like, I'm curling up on a couch. This time I read it all in the subway. But there was at least one time where I'm like curled up on the couch with something hot, either a hot cup of tea or hot cocoa. Um, and a tuna fish sandwich sounds really good now, thanks to this book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I definitely read this while drinking tea a couple times. I did it in like two settings.
1: Nice. <laughs> it is a very quick read for anybody that uh, has not read it that wants to give it a try. Mm-hmm. It's uh, 250 pages of very large font. Yes. (laughs) Um, So before we talk about next episode, Ileana,
2: what will you be reading next? So I actually um, have been trying to read more. And uh, the fact that you guys got me to read A Wrinkle in Time is kind of like getting me on this kick. But I really want to read a book by Diana Wynne-Jones. Um, I've read Howl's Moving Castle and, um, Castle, I think it's another one that's like right after it that's like Castle in the Wind or something. But, um, she has this book because she passed away recently and it felt really important to me to like read more of. Ah, there we go. Okay. So it's a book called Conrad's Fate. Okay. Um. By Diana Wynne-Jones. And I don't know if you know about the Crestomancy series? No. Okay, so it's about uh, this kind of, like, guild of beings that um, monitor magic not just on Earth but across the universe. And it follows this character named Christopher Chant. And he um, basically has to learn everything there is to know about being a a Crestomancy and how to monitor magic and how kind of like all of the the darkness that is out there, like the people that are using magic for evil things and how he's going to combat that. Um, And she wrote this in um, 1977. And then I'm sorry, Conrad's Fate was written in 2005, but the first book in the series was written in 1977. Um, oh, jeez, and I get pissed if I have to wait a year for our book. Oh, my yeah. God. So, <laughs> and then the next one was written in 1988. Oh, my God. <laughs> but they were written out of order. You can read the series in any order. Like, you don't have to read them in order. So Conrad's Fate came out in 2005. It's the one that I haven't read. Um But the other ones came out, like, it it was, like, 1977, then it was 1982. Sorry, 1980, 1982, 1988, uh, 2000, 2005, and 2006. So I haven't read Conrad's Fate, and I haven't read the 2006 one, which is The Pinho Egg. So I'm trying to get back into the series that I read, um, started reading in college. So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Good luck with that. Yeah. Um...
1: Stephanie, do you want to talk about our next guest?
0: Yes. What are we
1: reading (laughs) next?
0: We are reading Universal Harvester by John Darnielle. I'm saying that right?
1: I think so. That's
0: my guess. Um, (laughs) And it was picked by, is it
1: Phil Gonzalez? It is Phil Gonzalez, yeah.
0: So reading the summary about it, it was, uh, what caught my eye about it was, basically someone working in a video store, so, um, and he's noticing that uh, the tapes are coming back with uh, creepy things kind of spliced in. Um, like, <laughs> I think *She's All That* was one of the movies mentioned, so I was like, "Oh, I have to read this." <laughs> <laughs> um, so he basically kind of goes on this uh, adventure, I guess, to try to, or you know, try to uncover what's going on, what what it all means. Yeah, so, I haven't started it yet, so I'm not not sure what it all means, but I'm very interested to see what other, you know, late 90s stuff gets referenced,
1: too. (laughs) I have not started it either, but it looks like Phil just finished it and has updated his Goodreads. I'm not going to tell you what rating he gave it, but I am very (laughs) amused that he has already finished it. Um, Yeah, the cover's great, too. It's like a very um, fuzzy 80s tape, or not 80s, VHS tape that, like... You can tell has been worn down. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that'll be fun to talk about. Ileana, anything you would like to plug?
2: Uh, okay. Um, so I was recently on a podcast called Becca to the Future that is hosted by Don Gildenmeister and Rachel Rosing. Um, I've done two episodes with them, but there's one that's been released. It was released, uh, I believe, yesterday.
1: Okay. And
2: Uh, That was a lot of fun. So I got to watch an episode of Quantum Leap and talk about it with Don and Rachel. Um, And that was a lot of fun. And as always, you can always follow me on Instagram. Uh, I put my art up there and also interesting things that I'm working on. Um, I am Pangolina, which is Pangolin, with an A at the end. And you can find me on Instagram. And I try and uh, keep it updated. And... uh... Art shows coming up. I'm working on um, a couple of pieces, three pieces, for that are actually due next week before I leave for a business trip to Dallas. Um, they are for okay. a show in March. It opens on the ninth. Um, it's the called, same day that Wrinkle in Time comes out. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> um, it's called Silence Breakers, and it's basically about uh, kind of following up on the Me Too movement. And um, oh, that's right. Yes. And basically, they're kind of it's like a free show. Like, so basically, you just pay to have your artwork put in. So no one's like selecting what gets to go into the show. Everybody who enters something will have their show. Will have their artwork shown. Um, And they're looking for things regarding domestic violence and um, security of self and basically what makes you feel safe and what makes you feel unsafe. And you know. Just, like, all of the concepts and ideas surrounding the Me Too movement and, like, exploring that. Um, And I'm working on a couple of pieces uh, that I will uh, eventually post on my Instagram. Though it'll be a little bit difficult because I'm working with mirrors. Um, So I don't know how well it'll photograph. But we'll see. Keep an eye on the Instagram. Uh, But that's the upcoming show for March. Yay. 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 I didn't realize it was coming up that quickly. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've got, after this, I'm going to go work on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now
1: we know all your weekend plans. Yeah, wait. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, anything you want to plug? Nothing yet. Okay.
0: <laughs> I will maybe have that other podcast soon, maybe. Yay!
2: yay. Is this the one with Chris?
1: <laughs> yes. This podcast, you can find us on whatever is it, Apple Music. I still have iTunes written down. Um, I, whatever. We're also on Stitcher, everywhere else you can find except for Spotify because I've been too lazy to figure out what legally I need to do for Spotify. Um, our website is judgingbookcovers.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at JBC Podcast. Uh, we also have a Facebook group, which is A handbook for judging fabulous retellings pod, no, covers podcasts. It's in the show notes. James tried to say it the other day, and I was like, "I'm sorry." (laughs) He was like, "I really hate you for this." Um, It's 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 still a small group, but like the other day, we were all talking about you know what childhood favorites we like, and uh, um, but basically, it's a bunch of book nerds. So, anything else? Am I missing anything? Um. So yes, Eliana, thank you for coming on again. Thank Uh, you.
2: Thank you so much (laughs) for having me. It was loads of fun. (laughs) I'm
1: sorry. Um, I'm sure we'll get you on again soon. Please Uh, do. (laughs) And if anybody else would like to be a guest, if you go check out our website, there is a link to go to the application. Um, we record every two weeks, so like don't expect a call tomorrow but at some point we'll probably reach out to you
0: all right so we will see you in two weeks with phil gonzalez and universal harvester and until then keep supporting your local libraries